0: Please turn with me to Luke chapter 20. Luke chapter 20, we'll start in verse 19, and we'll go all the way to verse 44. Luke chapter 20, verse 19, and we'll go all the way to 44. Follow along with me in your copy of God's Word. The scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on him at that very hour, for they perceived that he had told this parable against them but they feared the people. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be sincere that they might catch him in something, he said, so as to deliver him up to the authority and the jurisdiction of the governor. So they asked him, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach rightly and show no partiality, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? But he perceived their craftiness and said to them, Show me a denarius. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? They said, Caesar's. He said to them, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were not able to they were not able in the presence of the people to catch him in what he had said, but marveling at his answer, they became silent. There came to him some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection, and they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, having a wife but no children, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first took a wife and died without children, and the second and the third took her. And likewise, all seven left no children and died. Afterward, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had her as a wife. And Jesus said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and to the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. For they cannot die anymore, because they are equal to angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the bush, where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now he is not God of the dead, but of the living for all live to him. Then some of the scribes answered, Teacher, you have spoken well, for they no longer dared to ask him any question. But he said to them, How can they say that the Christ is David's son? For David himself says in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. David thus calls him Lord. So how is he his son? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come before you um, today. Hungry to uh, hear, listen, and digest your word, Lord. I pray that um, those of us who are bringing distractions um, here this morning, a lot on our minds, um, some things really important, but none as important as worshiping you um, and learning about your word, Lord. Pray that. Um, you would uh, open our minds and hearts this morning, um, that the word would be um, convicting and encouraging where um, necessary for each and every one of us, Lord. I pray for Pastor Steve this morning, um, as he brings the message that you would um, help him to recall what he studied, and that he would be faithful um, to the word, Lord. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.
1: I had a friend when I was in um, high school. I should um, actually. That reminds me. Um, uh, I when I introduced Dave in Sunday school, and when Colin was talking about him, he mentioned that he, he's my friend, and that was hard for some of you to sort of wrap your mind around. And I think it. I think what what I unintentionally did was I lowered um, your opinion of Dave. Um, by mentioning that he was my friend, and so just some things you just don't hold against people. Um, I have, yeah. So I, it's it's hard to get over that. Um, anyhow, I had a friend in high school, and uh, he um, he his main goal in life, at least at school, was to be comfortable. Um, he wanted to every morning sleep as late as he possibly could, roll out of bed in whatever he was wearing and go to school, just whatever he was wearing, whatever he smelled like, whatever his hair looked like, he just wanted to kind of go comfortable. That was his That was his main goal in life. Um, and so that's what he did. Um, except for the first week of the school year. The first week of the school year, um, he would wear really nice clothes. He would look pretty good. He'd wear nice clothes, clothes he bought at the mall, clothes that were in style, you know. Um, and I was thinking about this. I was like, I don't even, this, this illustration might not even land with with like high schoolers and college people because maybe it's in style to just go in your sweatpants and your hair all messed up. I don't even know. That might be, maybe it's not even in style to say in style anymore. I don't even know. So I'm just like, I'm super old and I don't know. But anyhow, I think you can follow along with the illustration no matter what. The kid... Wanted to be comfortable, but he also wanted people to know that if he needed to, he could look good, right? He could wear clothes that everybody else was wearing. He knew the brand names to buy. He knew the stores in the mall to get the clothes from. He would buy a, he would, he would, for the first week, sometimes two, he would wear good clothes. The rest of the year, after he'd proven he could, the rest of the year, he would just roll out of bed and come to school. Not care at all. Kinda like Jesus. Hold, just wait. Just, just, just hear me out. Um, in these verses, we see that if Jesus wanted to, he could go around just crushing people in debate. If he wanted to, if that was Jesus' thing, to go around town to town, because he does it here in Jerusalem, he does it with the bigwigs in Jerusalem, I mean he, these are the, these are the, the top notch scholars, these are the best um, thinkers, these are the ones who know the law, know the scripture. Um, this is where it 's at. He comes into Jerusalem and just crushes people doesn 't he and and it kind of shows us if that was his thing, if he wanted to do that, he could just go around go around doing it, go around doing it. but as we look at these verses. Closely, what we see is that Jesus is doing way more than just owning people in arguments, just just destroying people in arguments. If that's what he wanted to do, he could do that, but he's doing much more than that. Not only is he winning debates, but he he is teaching those who have ears to hear. He's teaching those who have ears to hear not only is He destroying the ones who have no ears to hear or are not interested in learning, not interested in what He has to say, not only is He destroying them, but He's also, he's also here for um, those who by the work of the Spirit, by the grace of God, are learning and growing and want to know what He has to say. Jesus isn't flaunting his wisdom in these verses. He's imparting his wisdom. Jesus is not just showing us that he is wise. He's teaching us how to be wise. Jesus has come to give us wisdom. Jesus has come to make us wise. Jesus has come to give us wisdom. And we see that three different kinds of wisdom that Jesus has for us this morning. Jesus, um, Jesus is going to hand down in this passage, in these verses, He is going to hand down three kinds of wisdom. Those will be the three points to the sermon. If you're a point note taker, the three points of the sermon are these three kinds of wisdom that Jesus is handing down. We're going to go through these verses and we're going to... Think about these kinds of wisdom. First kind of wisdom. Number one, the first kind of wisdom Jesus gives us, wisdom to see our highest allegiance. Wisdom to see our highest allegiance. So there's a first clash here. Right? We have this first clash starting in verse 19. You've You've got the scribes and the chief priests And they would love to lay their hands on Jesus and destroy him. We've seen over the last couple of Sundays, right, that Jesus has ridden into town, into Jerusalem, um, on a donkey. So we're we're basically in between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday right now. This is where we are in the book of Luke. Jesus has rolled into town. He's ridden in on a donkey, which is really his his just public way of saying, yes, I am the Messiah. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And then, last week we saw how he, he went into the temple, and like he owned the place, right? He goes to the temple like he owned the place. And, and Jerusalem's religious leadership, the chief priest, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the temple elders, they hate him, and they want to put an end to him now. So in these opening verses, that's what they're working on. They, they realize they don't have the public support to just accuse him of blasphemy and get him executed sort of right then. They, they, they know that there would be a significant number of people who would turn against them if they tried that. So they're trying to, in these verses, they're, they're trying to get him to say something publicly that would be foolish or, or sacrilegious or blasphemous or, or, um, or maybe, uh, uh incriminating, illegal, they're trying to trap him doesn't go well. We see they they've sent spies who will pretend to be sincere. In verse twenty, trying to trying to catch him in something he said, deliver him up to the authorities. So they ask him. They're they're all you know flattery type. They got all this. They're, they're very flattering. The teacher, we know that you speak and teach rightly and show no partiality, but teach only the way of God. And then they've got this question that they think is just gonna get him. They think they've got a question that they think is gonna get him. He's gonna, one way or the other, he's gonna say something incriminating. Either, either he's gonna say something that Rome hates, or he's gonna say that the people who hate Rome hates. He's gonna what, somebody's gonna get him. They say to Jesus, is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? Should we pay taxes to Caesar? Verse 23, but he perceived their craftiness and said to them, show me a denarius. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? They said, Caesar's. He said to them, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Jesus does something brilliant here because the Jewish leaders would love to distance themselves from Roman money. They would love to pretend as if they're morally above that, right, that they're too good for that because Roman money was troubling. I mean, on on this Roman denarius, there was a a picture of the current Caesar, um, Tiberius, and it said, Tiberius, son of the divine, they called Caesar Augustus divine, This is, there's just idolatry on this money. It's just, it's just blasphemous idolatry is what it is. And the Jews hated it. I mean, they hated paying taxes to Rome or any other foreign power anyhow. They hated that. They hated being owned that way by Rome. So they hated that, but then they also hated it for theological reasons. It was, I mean, it was idolatry. It was idolatry. the, the, The Jews hated it. But Jesus sort of has them here doesn't he because he says show me a coin which means they have one on them (laughs) they use the money they use the money jesus says produce a coin for me and so they grab one because they have them they have them they use them it's the world they live in they'd like to kind of take the moral high road they live here in rome paying Caesar money, paying taxes, doing the stuff. They hate it, we hate it, everybody hates it, they do it. You have to. It's the world you live in. Jesus says that's fine. J- Jesus says, if Caesar wants his money, you give him his money. That's that's fine. That's just that's the world you live in. There's nothing, there's nothing these guys can say about that. Because it's very obvious that that's what they do. They can't come out they can't come out hard against you know, Caesar's money, blah, blah, blah. Because they use this stuff. Jesus says, you use it. Caesar builds the roads. Pay him his money. It's fine. The, the debate is over. Because there's literally nothing they can say to that. There's literally nothing they can say. You can't get mad at someone for telling you to do something that you're already doing. It's really hard to take the moral high road there. And so Jesus could have just walked away right then. Because that, that debate is over. It's over. But he's not, again, he's not just about winning debates, showing how smart he is. That's not what he's about here. Because now he has something very kind for all of those who have ears to hear. He says, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And then he says, and to God the things that are God's. It's fine to pay taxes to the human government. As long as the human government... And Paul is going to kind of take take what Jesus taught here and he's going to kind of build a thing out of it. You, as, as long as... And Peter will too. And, and Luke we see in the book of Acts. We, we see sort of like this... Just this way of thinking about the government. We obey the government unless they ask us to disobey the word of God. And that's just... That's how we roll. Do we always like it? No. But it gives us something to... To, to whine about when we're getting our hair cut or something, it's fine. You just um, give Caesar. The, he he builds the roads. Give him the money. Is he is he an idiot? Yes, probably. But pay taxes. It's fine. Pay taxes. But then Jesus says, "But give to God the things that are God's." In other words, what does God? Deserve from us? Has God created us? Does God give us our life and breath and strength? Has God numbered our days and given us our food and our clothes? Is God all wise, all sovereign, all good? Is God God? Then give to God what He deserves. Fine, pay taxes if you have to. That's not We're not here to talk about that. Not here to talk about that. Give to God the things that are God's. Which is, if we will stop, if we will stop and consider it, it's quite a statement, isn't it? What does God deserve from us? Is he not completely worthy? Can we actually give him what he deserves? Does he not deserve that we love him and serve him with all that we have? Does he not deserve that we are loyal to him and obey his word no matter what? Proverbs says this is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So what Jesus is doing for us in His kindness here is He's doing more than just owning the bad guys. Winning another debate. Jesus is not flaunting His wisdom here. He is imparting His wisdom. He's giving us wisdom to see our highest allegiance. That's the first kind of wisdom He gives us. wisdom to see our highest allegiance second number two wisdom to see the god of the living so we're going to turn to our second confrontation in verse 27 and i don't know i don't know what made the sadducees think this was a good idea i'm not sure i'm not sure what they were thinking I don't know if they saw Jesus sort of dismantle the first group and the Sadducees says, you know what, he won't be ready for this one. This is like the the Sadducees were this other like group of, of experts. Um, they were always sort of against the Pharisees, except for this week in Jesus' life where they're teaming together to try to take him down. Otherwise they hate each other. But they have a common enemy. So they're sort of banding together to take down Jesus, and so it's the Sadducees' turn. They're gonna they're gonna come in. And uh, and they're going to take a whack at it, and so the Sadducees they deny the resurrection. They don't think the resurrection um, is going to happen. They don't believe in the resurrection, right? They don't believe in it. And so they have this question, I guess, that they just banter around down at the pub that all the Sadducees go to. I don't I don't know where this is. Just like they this is their this is the one that gets everybody, right? I guess I don't know because they think it's going to get Jesus. They think, oh yeah, we got him, we got him. So they come up to Jesus with this question. Trying to get him, I guess, to say something. um, I mean, they would hope for something sacrilegious and blasphemous, maybe. But at most, they're just trying to get him to look stupid, and so people don't like him so much. Right? They're just trying to chip away at him. um, And so they've got this question, and it's stupid. Verse 27 there came to him some Sadducees. They denied the resurrection. They said to him, "Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies having a wife but no children, the man must take a widow and raise up offspring for her brother. Now there were seven brothers. Um, they, they first took a, the first took a wife and died without children. Second and the third took her, and likewise all seven left no children and died. After the woman afterward, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had her as a wife. Ah, got you." Ha, she can't go to husband, can she go to heaven and have, have seven husbands? What's, what's gonna happen, Jesus? Ha, we win. Idiots. And at first I read this story, I was like, that poor woman. My word. My wife and I have been married for 19 years and it is, I'm still not house trained. It has taken her, like, a long time. To to kind of get me to a place where she can at least work around me, you know, and and put up with all of my interesting tendencies. Can you imagine if I died? Don't, just don't, don't, you don't need to sit there and daydream about it. I'm just saying, imagine if I died, she'd have to start all over, training someone else. And she'd have to do this seven times? That's awful. Poor woman. But then I thought, no, 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 no. Woman's not the victim. No, no, no woman is not the victim. All seven of her husbands mysteriously die. (laughs) Nope. Nope, nope. What we have here is a true crime story. (laughs) This is just, yeah, so. And now you're thinking, Steve, this sermon is going to be long enough. What are we doing right now? Why are you wasting your time dissecting a dumb story? Well, that's the point, isn't it? This is a silly story, and it takes Jesus about 30 seconds to blow it up. Jesus said to them, the sons of this age in verse 34, the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and to the resurrection from the dead, we're going to get back to that phrase. Those who are considered worthy to attain to the resurrection, we're going to get back to that in a little while. But those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and to the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. For they cannot die anymore because they are equal to angel, angels and are sons of God being sons of the resurrection. There's no marriage in heaven. There are no marriage relationships in heaven. You're not going to be married in heaven because there's not going to be, no one's going to die. There's going to be no procreation. There's, there's not, it's, we're going to be like the angels and what he means there is, is no, no death and no procreation. No need for procreation. No need to have babies. No need for marriage. It's going to be a different, it's going to be a a different era. You won't be married to anyone. So your question is silly. You should feel bad. Once again, Jesus just kind of brushes them aside. But he doesn't stop there. Because he's not here to kind of flaunt his wisdom. He continues on. And he knows they don't believe this. He doesn't care. He's talking to the people who do believe. Verse 37, But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the bush where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now, he is not God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. In other words, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob were had been had been dead for generations. But Moses says, God is not it's not like God was the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. If 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 you belong to God, you belong to God forever. You belonging to God doesn't end when your earthly life ends. God is right now the God of Abraham and the God of Moses. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to Him. All those who are counted worthy of the resurrection All those who are worthy of that age to come, they are alive to God. He is not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. This is how we know that the resurrection is true and is going to happen. Because God is faithful. He is eternally faithful. If He claims someone as His own, they are His forever. If you belong to God, you and Abraham are contemporaries. Abraham is going to be alive together with God forever. And if you belong to God, so will you. He knows your name. You are His forever. And one day He will raise you from the dead. He will welcome you into the joy of the Lord forever. And let's pause and think about that for a moment. He's going to welcome you into the joy of the Lord. And if the joy of the Lord means that it is joy that God Himself, with all of His goodness, all of His power, all of His wisdom, all of His love is creating for you, if that's what the joy of the Lord means, it's going to be good. It is the joy of the God of the living he has he has made an eternal promise to you. He has committed himself to you forever. He knows your name. You belong to him. You will be raised from the dead. I have an uncle um, who who fought in World War Two. Came home with all kinds of interesting stories. He was, the, he was my, my dad's brother-in-law, uh, but he was really the dad my dad never had. Took him fishing, told him war stories, told him about Jesus. He's the, he's the human means that God used to bring my dad into the family. My dad is not done hanging out with his brother-in-law. I have not seen the uncle who I owe so much to. I have not seen him for the last time because our God is the God of the living. He's the God of the living. When God commits Himself to someone, He commits Himself to Him. He commits Himself to them forever. You will be raised from the dead you will be raised to the joy of the Lord. Which helps us. So, so some of us, when we hear there's going to be no marriage in heaven, for some of us, we're sad about that. Dan and Mary Wallen have been married for 150 years. They just celebrated their anniversary. And last week, in church, I kid you not, they were holding hands. I was like, hey, you, you two back there, you cut that out, you You teenagers. What is this? Get out of here with that. Some of us, when we think of marriage, it's one of the greatest joys in our life, and I know that for some of us, um, our stories are just different. And I know that in the providence of God, um, we have different stories, and we have different things that come to our mind when we think about marriage. And we have uh, so it's different for all of us. But if you're one of those people who are thinking, I I don't want heaven without. My, spouse, my, my wife is thinking that right now. She's just like, I don't even know. Hmm. <clears throat> Maybe she's thinking that. What this, what this passage really quickly teaches us is that the joy of the, of the God of the living is going to be so good, the, the, the love and the closeness that we'll have with each other will be so much better in the life to come. The joy of the Lord that that we have with Him is going to be so good in the life to come that we won't miss out uh, on on our favorite things about this life. We won't miss even our greatest joys in this life. This is the wisdom that Jesus gives us. This is the wisdom that helps helps us to see things clearly. Yes, we have great joy by His grace in this life. But we are longing for a city not made by hands. Jesus has given us the wisdom of Proverbs, the fear of the Lord. And, and Jesus has given us the wisdom of Psalms. Psalms teaches us to number our days. And, and, and that wisdom is found in knowing the eternal love of God. And so now in our last few verses, Jesus teaches us how to have that wisdom become a reality for us. Because in our last little section, Jesus gives us wisdom to see David's Son and Lord. Jesus has given us wisdom to see our highest allegiance. Jesus has given us wisdom to see the God of the living. And now here, number three, wisdom to see David's son and Lord. Verse 41. So they're done asking him questions. <laughs> and so, like, you just, after a while, you stop picking fights. You just, you keep getting popped in the face. You're like, I'm, I'm done. But Jesus said, actually, I still want to talk some more. Guys, come back. He said to them, how can they say that the Christ is David's son? For David himself says in the book of Psalms, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. David thus calls him Lord. So how is he his son? They don't have an answer for that. Jesus just wants that question kind of rattle around in their brains for a while. But more than that, Jesus doesn't want to just stump them. Again, Jesus wants to impart wisdom to those who have ears to hear, to those who the Spirit is working on, to those whose eyes are, are coming alive to see the glory of Christ in Scripture. Because, it's a very good question, how is it that David's son, his, his physical descendant, uh, um, uh, generations are going to pass, and, 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 a, and a son, a human a man is going to come from David's family tree, from David's line. How is it that the, that the Christ is going to be that, or this, this human, this human, but then he's also what can only be described as divine? Because now it's Yahweh saying, Yahweh is saying to this Christ, sit at my right hand until I make your Enemies, your footstool. This is a, I mean, he's not just this earthly king. He is this, he is this eternal, heavenly king. He is this king over all kings. This is, this language, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. That's, that's a, that's language for the son of man. That's language for the ancient of days. This is language that is, it's it, divine. It's divine. So he, so he is human, but he also has divine authority, divine power. He's the, he's the son of God. How is this possible? See, what Jesus is doing for us here is he is reminding us. He's not flaunting wisdom. He's making us wise. He's pointing us to the incarnation. He's pointing us to the truth, and this is, this is truth that it will take, it will take those that were even the closest to Jesus, it's gonna take them some, a while to unpack. It's gonna take them a while to, 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 to get sorted out. It's not like they heard this question like, oh, oh, I get it, I see what's happening. No, it, it took a while. But the, But the disciples got there. John got there when he wrote his Gospel. Peter got there when he wrote his letters. When he he preached in Jerusalem. The last Apostle, Paul, unpacked it beautifully in multiple ways for us. They get there. Jesus is making us wise. He's he's, He's helping us to understand that he is God in the flesh. And this is how uh, his simple command to give to God what belongs to God, this is how it doesn't crush us. Because how could we possibly do that? Have you this week given to God what belongs to him? Have you obeyed him without hesitation, without fail, without pride? No, you have not. I have not either. We have not. We do not give to God what belongs to God. We get hung up on all kinds of other things we are half hearted at best. No. How is it that, that even that simple command from Jesus doesn't crush us? And how about that simple warning in verse thirty five? Those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and to the resurrection, which means there are some people who are not worthy to attain to the resurrection. And and if we're left to our own devices, which which one are we? In our own strength? In our own goodness are, are we worthy uh, to be raised to the joy of the Lord? Are we are we worthy to be sons, daughters of the resurrection? Here is how these little these little nuggets that Jesus is just throwing at us, here's how they don't crush us. Here they don't here's how they don't become too much to bear. Because they would crush us, except for the beautiful truth that Jesus is David's son and David's Lord. Jesus is completely human. He took on human flesh to come and die in our place. Only a human could die for us, Hebrews teaches us. Only a human could provide a a legitimate legal sacrifice for other humans. So he must be fully human, but he also must be fully God. For, For only the holy righteous God could pay the full price for our sin. So Jesus must be human and He must be divine and He is. He is David's Son and David's Lord. This is just one of many hints in the book of Luke of who it is we're looking at. So if we believe this Gospel, if we believe that His death on the cross pays for all the times that we love any and everything else besides God for all the times that we have not given to God what belongs to God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus' death on the cross has paid for all the times when you could have, should have, given to God what belongs to Him and you said, nah, I'd rather keep it for myself. Jesus' death on the cross pays for all of our sin. So if we trust Him and we follow Him, Then his command is no longer crushing. Now we can say every day that if we belong to Jesus, if our if our if he is our hope in life and death, if he if he is our only hope to be forgiven of our sins, if 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 he is the one that we belong to, then we can say every day, here's what I'm aiming for, here's what I want to do. I want to give to God what belongs to God. I want God to be my highest allegiance. I want to obey. Come what may. and And then when I fail, I want to repent. I want to repent quickly. I want to fight hard against temptation. I want to rejoice in His mercy. It is new for me every day. I want to depend upon the strength that He gives. This command is no longer crushing because Jesus is David's Son and David's Lord and that warning in verse 35 is no longer crushing either because we know that grace upon grace upon grace we are now worthy of the resurrection not because we figured it out and because we're so awesome but because Jesus Christ has made us worthy we're going to dwell forever with the God of the living he knows our name and he's going to bring us into his joy forever Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your love. We thank You for Your Word. We pray that it would do great work. That it would do work in our hearts by Your Spirit. We pray, God, that You would help us to see how much we need the Incarnate Christ, the Word made flesh, the completely human, completely divine, Son of Man, Son of God, Ancient of Days. Help us to understand how much we need the Incarnate Christ. Then I pray, God, that You would fill us with faith and hope and joy That we would grab hold of the wisdom Jesus has handed down to us. That we would more and more, that we would more and more serve you, hold you as our highest allegiance, obey you come what may, believe that you are good come what may, follow your word. Help us, God. Help us to rejoice. You are the God of the living. You know our name. You have made us yours and we will be yours forever. I pray that those truths would sink deep into us. It would be filled with desire and strength to serve you and to obey you with great gladness and joy. I pray that if there's folks here who haven't yet believed the gospel. They they haven't believed. They haven't seen how, how bad their sin is. They haven't seen how much they need a Savior. They haven't turned away. They haven't started to hate their sin. They haven't turned from their sin and, 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 and trusted in Christ. There are, if there are folks here, God, who have not yet believed this good news, Jesus Christ, payment for their sin, pray that You would do a work in their heart. They would, they would come to Christ believing. We, we thank you for your great love for us. In Christ's name, amen.